This episode of Finding Demo Surf Fishing is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to NinjaTackleVA.com and look at all the amazing, great, and cool tools that they have going on there up in Virginia. I love Matt's shop. You guys know this. You've seen uh, any of my social media. You always see me using Ninja Tackle rods. I love mine. Uh, I have zero problems with them. I've got two seven-footers that I absolutely love for the beach and inshore, kayak, all of it. Such a great set of rods. The travel rod, so fun. can take it anywhere. It breaks down very nicely nicely into a travel case all the way up to my eight six hey slinging lures from the beach loving it nine footer i can do that too sometimes i use it for sets up to my 12 and hey i think there's even a bigger one coming you'll have to take a look at the website though if you need reels rigs a whole bunch of stuff like that lots in there bait hey yeah he's got it if you're into firearm and firearm accessories ninja tactical yep whole another side of that great website if uh you need an optic or something like that and maybe you need a couple of pieces for an ar hey he might have them so ninja tactical still in line there great stuff ninjatackleva.com go take a look you won't be sorry Well, actually, it's a continuation episode. <laughs> so, yeah, as, as I said in the last week, uh, Ben and I had a weird technical difficulty there, and uh, the episode was great. It was just flowing, so good of information, and I was loving every minute of it. But, uh, yeah, kind of got cut off, so we had to go reschedule to finish up the episode. And when we did, the episode uh, there to finish up that last section actually ended up turning into an episode in itself. Lots more information, lots more information, uh, lot knowledge, really, that was just dropped. So really fun to continue on with that. And uh, because it lasted so long, I couldn't put it in the first episode. I c- couldn't ask you guys to hang out for that long. So gave you a secondary on here for you to take a look at and enjoy. And hey, I, I think you're going to find a lot of really good information from it. And I hope you really do. So without further ado, let's get back into the show. It's going to be a good one. Well, this has been fun. I mean, I'm having a great time here. And let, let's get into the fun part of, I guess, the ending when it comes to being a guide, what has been some valuable lessons learned after starting and running your charter business? Um, I think one of the most valuable things is to just have multiple skills in my skill set in my locker that I can wheel out at any point. So, you know, obviously surf fishing, you're pitching up somewhere within, maybe you might be able to cover a few miles of beach, but you need to be fairly certain that you're going to catch something on that stretch of beach. And so having a number of tactics in your locker to be able to approach that is definitely something I've developed. And I mean, you know, we all have to start somewhere. And when I started guiding here, I was just very focused on leopard sharks. And I was really, really good at that. I got pretty good at that pretty fast and was able to help lots of people catch their fish. But, you know, you get to the winter and you think, well, that was fun summer. What, what are we going to do in the winter now? So you, you think, well, okay, I'm going to develop my surf perch fishing program. And so that's definitely something, something I've had to be conscious of is constantly developing new skills and new kind of tactics to help my clients catch fish. And, you know, every, every every week I learn something new and every week I add a little a little tweak or a little skill set to that to that roster. And that means that when I go to my fishing with my clients and maybe you're in a less than perfect situation, I don't know, maybe there's a lot of current or you're having to deal with something that would otherwise be quite difficult, but because you've got a bit of experience and maybe a bit of knowledge and you can think, okay, well, I've not, I know if I do this, that that's going to fix that problem. So having a number of solutions to those problems, um, most of which involve how to catch a fish right now, um, would be highly, highly, very, very useful being a guide. 
Um, so I think that's probably the main thing is just making sure I can actually really catch my clients as many fish as possible. But doing so requires having a number of skills and that might be everything from just learning how to use a tiny, tiny hook um, in the middle of winter to catch 20 surf perch for your very junior clients, right up to, um, you know, dealing with some of the light lines stuff up to the heavy shark stuff. So having a number of skills in your locker definitely is something I'm very, very grateful I have. And also, I think being a really good people person, just having a great attitude, that's so important, isn't it? I mean, I think we touched on this earlier, didn't we, Brian, that yeah. having an attitude and then a kind of mindset and a, a kind of kind of kind of attitude that means you're, you're going to find that fish, you're going to hunt that fish down, whatever it takes. In the next four or five hours, we're going to work it out. We're going to find them and not being defeatist, not being, OK, well, you know, being a bit helpless in this situation, sort of grasping the nettle, so to speak, and say, OK, well, it's not working or this isn't working and that's not working. So this is the plan. This is plan B. This is what we're going to do. So being quite, quite decisive and, but as well, having a little bit of confidence within that to say, okay, well, clearly this isn't working or, you know, okay, well, we've had five casts here, move that spot up there. looks way better or something like that. So, so having little, little skills and good people skills and good attitude, I think is definitely something that is one of the most important things about dealing with any sort of commercial fishing where you're helping people who want to catch fish. Yeah, that positive mental attitude goes a long way. And I mean, you, you can oh, it's everything, isn't it? You walk out to the beach with a defeatist, you know, you're, okay, cool, you're defeated, no problem. Guess what? You're skunking. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have 10 casts. You're going to think this is a bit rubbish and go home. Whereas if you think 10 casts, okay, that didn't work. So what's plan B? How am I going to make this work? And yeah. that's definitely, I think I gained a lot of that as well from a lot of tournament fishing when I was a kid. Um, teenage years doing a lot of, lot of very kind of intensive multi multi-hour you know five six hour tournaments and then my as well i did a quite a few big big sort of carp fishing tournaments i've done like five day endurance fishing competitions so you know when you've done that and you know that you know you've, you've maybe had a struggled with some of that very very early stuff and think oh god i really didn't enjoy that last four or five hours i was just a bit helpless in that situation how can i amend that um it's definitely helped me become a better guide having that tournament kind of mindset of like right i really need to catch a fish in the next hour what's going to do it for me so having that skill is absolutely vital, I think, if you're a guide. Yeah. Well, I love that you brought up the, the leopard shark here because we're moving into the next portion. We're going to talk about your business, which is American Sea, oh, yeah. Fish, uh, American sea Fishing. We're going to talk about the tackle shop side. If you go to AmericanSeaFishing.com, the first image that picks up, that's a nice little leopard shark right there. That's what that oh, is. Oh, that's a beautiful photo. In fact, that's such a good photo. I was, I'm going to change that quite soon on the website, but maybe I'll leave it on there now you've mentioned it. Oh. Yeah, to my, my really favorite, favorite clients. We've now become friends, like a lot of my regular clients, like Chris and Glenn, and yeah, beautiful leopard shark. Just sums up California fishing in the summer, really, like a beautiful sunset, and you know, leopard shark, beautiful catch and release, kind of unique fish that you can only catch in Southern California, really. So, um, yeah, that's essentially one of my favorite species, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, they are pretty. They are absolutely beautiful Very fish. Pretty. All you all completely unique as well. They all have unique markings, and you have ones which have a slight genetic abnormality that creates a lot of black in it, and they're called scribble sharks. And I think if you scroll down on my Instagram, I think I've got one or two of those on there, a little further down, maybe from last summer. Um, and they they so they get really crazy looking. That's a very standard one on the front of the website. Um, but they get very very crazy patterns. Lots of little, almost like someone's hand drawn little hearts and smiley faces or something on it. Absolutely crazy looking fish. Yeah, so good. All right, so let's talk about the tackle shop. So you, yeah, you know, you you talked about it earlier. You know, you, when you came over after, after getting married, it was like, all right, cool. All these steps went into place: guiding business, and then now a tackle shop. All these ones. So let tell me about the tackle shop and what got you into uh, creating an online one. 
Um, well, first of all, I, I worked for a tackle company back in England before I moved over. I um, did that for a couple of years and was marketing manager, media manager. So I kind of had a little background in the tackle industry business and was also a tackle tester for a couple of fishing magazines. So I was always very, very interested in tackle and developing tackle and that whole process of, you know, developing something that helps someone catch fish. It's a, kind of a nice process. Um, so when I came over here, started the guiding business and very quickly I realized that in England, you could go to the standard fishing shop and buy all of the stuff that I needed to make a decent rig. Maybe not quite the wire, the exact brand of wire, but a lot of the other stuff would be very easy to get. Whereas you go into a fishing tackle shop here and it was nearly impossible. Like I remember trying to buy bait elastic or people call it magic thread, bait thread, whatever, latest elastic. You cannot buy that in a fishing tackle shop at that time when I came over. I probably tried five or six tackle shops and they looked at you like, what? You want like rigging thread? You want like that kind of wax thread they use for like rigging like ballyhoo or something like that? Nope. So very quickly realized that there's a market there for, for slightly um, niche surf fishing tackle, which is, I guess, what I mainly specialize in niche saltwater tackle of things like um, the very specific brand of circle hooks that I like, the pulley rigs that I use for a lot of the leopard sharks and just probably 20 things like that that are completely unique and you know for example another one is that you can't go into a tackle shop here and buy like an eight seven eight ounce spiked sputnik surf sinker so you cannot buy that at all in a tackle shop and if you go any sort of like significant shark fishing here um any sort of current you're going to need at least six seven ounce six seven eight ounce wired surf sinker so again you can't buy that here so again a little gap in the market spotted that and now we sell loads and loads of really lovely really nicely made sinkers with a choice to have them made in China or have them made in America. So whatever price point you want to go for, um, you know, I've got a sinker to sell you. So that's definitely the driving point of that business is realizing very quickly that there was not a lot of really good surf and saltwater inshore tackle. Um, you know, you could buy all the tuna fishing tackle, you could buy like Wahoo lures, all of the stuff like that in the tackle shop, but you couldn't buy, for example, a, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe the exact brand of hook that I really liked, you know, maybe some slightly sort of cheaper, cheaper sort of you know low quality steel hooks a bit bit bendy bit bit blunt for my liking but um, you know the bait elastic is a good one really i use that loads for shark fishing and i could not buy at all i had to import it from somewhere else when i first came over here and you know very quickly you realize well i use a lot of that and a lot of people do as well so let's start a business based on the idea that we're filling a market which clearly there's a niche and we're going to help a load of people catch fish because this is all the stuff that I use in my guiding business as well so it's not stuff that I've just sort of randomly come across it's something that I've used for at least a few months or a year or two and have a lot of confidence in and then bring it to market and bring it to my customers and my lovely clients as well well you got a lot of fun stuff on here I mean so I've been looking at it and there's stuff I've never seen uh <laughs> like what yeah, in particular uh the non-return rig sliders and rig ring oh uh, yeah never seen so this before this is interesting tell me about that yes in california a lot of people enjoy catching sharks and pears and there's a big scene of catching of pier fishing here you don't need a fishing license to fish from a pier which is obviously attractive to a lot of people and it's a relatively easy prospect to chuck a bait out and how those sliders work is you're gonna first of all rig up a rod preferably with mono like straight mono maybe 30 pound mono or something 30 40 pound mono and you're just going to tie a sinker to the end of that and launch that out uh, with maybe a casting leader on the end, maybe so maybe 80 pound casting leader. And uh, so you're going to launch that sinker out off the end of your pier. And then what you do is you clip on, so you, you can thread by the by that kind of, um, if you look on the non-return sliders, they have a kind of spiral metal section at the top. And using that section, you can thread that onto your main line by looping it round. So it's running on the main line like a slider. So you cast out, 
wait till your sinker is really kind of stuck in place. So you use a big wide surf sinker and then thread that little little spiral metal section onto the line so it's sliding up and down. And then you clip on your rig and your rig slides out. And if you're fishing for a thresher shark, you fish a rig, quite a big float rig. So you fish it on the top um, with the rigs with the bait suspended, fresh mackerel on a 6-0 hook, 6-0 Mitsu circle extra. Um, you spend that about 10 feet below the surface. And if you're fishing for maybe a leopard or a soup fin or something else hard on the bottom, you don't use a float rig, you just use a straight shark leader, you know, six, seven foot leader. And again, slide that down, hits the bottom or floats if you're using the float. And you just wait for that to start rattling. I think they use relatively similar things for some of the pier fishing for some of the sharks in Florida. But I think maybe they use like what they call a trolley system, which is kind of almost like two rods and one's a kind of, one holds the sinker and has a little kind of clip on it. And the other one has the live bait, which you slide out on the clip attached to the other rod. And when the fish hits it, the little clip pops out. So I've got a few of those, but over here, it's much more about the dead bait fishing with the small mackerel for the threshers, the leopards, soup fin, seven gill, stuff like that off the pier. And yeah, the way you do that, big sinker out there, clip your slider on, slide your big bait out, and you can get it out way further than you would do if you're just trying to cast that big bait with that awkward float leader on there. So that's how they get used here. And you get a weighted version if you want to hit the bottom or a non-weighted version if you're fishing at the top. And that's really the only difference. So they're kind of useful but thing for deploying a big bait off the beach for a decent sized fish, um, you know, like a shark or a ray. Yeah, I can definitely see that now after you explain it. That makes a lot of sense. And, and you've got some really cool other, you know, you got a couple of really nice examples for uh, a couple of your, your double dropper and your single dropper, especially when yeah. you're talking about the rockfish. If you take a look at it on the website, folks, you'll notice the sinker is not a Sputnik. It's a nice uh, cylinder style, basically no edges, because, you know, if your sinker gets into rocks, guess what? And you got something that stops it. It's not letting also, go. <laughs> also a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper to leave those in a rock. rock. We're in a pile of rock 600 feet down than it is to leave a Sputnik. Yes. So you can go down all the way down <laughs> Definitely. there. Definitely. They so much cheaper. And also they have the nice hydrodynamic shape where they're just going to fall down nice and fast. And it's got the double ring. So, you know, clip it on. You can use it as a trolling sinker. But most of the time yeah. over here, they get used to the deep drop stuff. I mean, we use, I mean, I, the, we, we, I hosted a rockfish trip up in Ventura. It's a little further north of here, up in April. And we're using 32-ounce sinkers up there fishing 600 feet of water which is kind of kind of a unique thing for that so so you do have to use a really really big sinker hence those rigs they that sinker clips a big old clip but there's a reason for that and it's because of those giant sinkers or sometimes a jig involved as well that's smart and i do love that you added a for your bullet floats you added a sand camouflage paint job um oh those are those are a big really interesting product actually and a big big seller actually i've sold quite a few to guys in florida and other places because some seem to be a fairly unique thing that we make. So, um, and actually they're based really how those come about because those Corbina, when we're fishing for the Corbina in very shallow water, having watched sight fish for them a lot and watched them feed, they're incredibly spooky and anything that looks unnatural in the water, they're very, very quick to just move off and just not interested at all. And they've probably also been pressured, you know, they've been caught maybe a couple of times. So, um, so anything that goes in my favor when I'm fishing for those, I'm very interested in. You know, that whole marginal gains theory is something I'm very keen on. And definitely with the sand camo sinkers, it definitely, I'd say, has had a positive effect in terms of they don't seem to spook off them. I've watched them. They just seem to just look at it like a bit of rock or sand. Whereas if you have a very shiny, one of those very shiny sinkers, you know, real bright metal ones bouncing down, they definitely seem to suss out a little faster. And I notice the catch rate with my clients when I can really look at it from fishing with three people over a morning, the ones who have the more subtle tackle, always do better 
and definitely those sand camo sinkers are based on the wet sand from my local Corbina, favourite Corbina beach, which I have a guy made specially to match that exact wet sand of that exact beach. So they're a pretty precise product, but they're pretty, um, I think a lot of people have a use for those if they're fishing over sand for wary fish. So yeah, sell, sell a, a nice amount of those. They're an interesting product. It is. I mean, especially, so it's great that I see this now because it's part of uh, something I've been going through my head with a lot of things and talking with guys here in our local area, you know, this time of year is it's hard fishing for us here in Florida during the summer, especially June, July, August, you know, we got normally we got June grass and it's the sludge stuff. It's never fun. But then you start looking at the, the temperature, the fish are going to be more finicky. They're, they're going to be a little bit more lockjaw because now they're expending energy or they're holding their energy because they're too hot, too cold, whatever it may be, you know, between summer and winter. So you have to downsize your tackle, you know, which you're normally throwing a 15 out, you know, a 15 pound, 20 pound double dropper out there. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll be fine. Um, doesn't work right now because the fish are not playing in the game. So you have to downsize even further. So hiding your sinker in the sand is always a challenge. I mean, it doesn't matter what you throw, whether you throw Sputniks or pyramids, you know, it's still there. It can be seen, but that's a nice little ad. So very well played and great job with your research that, uh, you know, helped you see that and rolled through. Well, well, well done indeed, sir. Well done. indeed. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, but what you've just said is exactly what I think about things like marginal gain theory about if you can find 10 things in your tackle, in your setup, that are going to make even the 1% difference at the end of the season, that's going to have probably caught you another 20 fish, maybe for example, and those 20 fish within that might be like the real trophy Pompano. For me, it might be like a really big client, might really client called Corbina or something like that. And you know that, so I think if you can work out another 20 things that you can do better, even if it's a tiny, tiny little thing, like maybe using a micro swivel instead of one of those big brass swivels or using the sand camo sinker instead of a big shiny, um, you know, lead one, um, you know, just tiny little things like that, I think can make a big difference. And like I said, when, when you're fishing for pressured fish in maybe difficult situations, you want to take all your chances, right? You don't want to have anything negative in that setup. And if you can just work out the 20 things, 10, 20 things that are going to get you over that hump of being that guy who stands on the beach with a cooler full of fish as opposed to the guy skunking, then that's a huge thing. And what you just said about the subtlety, I think, is a big factor, especially when it gets to this time of year, like here as well. A lot of pressured fish, everyone's fishing for them. I'm using smaller hooks now, four, six pound fluorocarbon leaders. So just to get that little edge over everyone else. It's not because I enjoy fishing like night. It's because I that's the most effective way to do it right now. Yeah. Hey, you got to do what you got to do to win. And absolutely, I had a great conversation with my buddy, Justin from Justin Reed fishing. Um, for those of you guys know, you, you guys know, we're always together when we're fishing. <laughs> He's my fishing buddy out here. And that's just how we always roll. The, fun piece we had a conversation on a, a couple weeks ago was we were downsizing tackle and people were talking about oh it's not heavy you know it's too light for fish and it got me thinking about I, I used to scuba dive a lot as a kid and uh you know friends of ours are scuba divers when you're underwater that 20 pound fish doesn't weigh 20 pounds did the that pound thing doesn't matter now when they're swimming now you got thrust ratio now you're talking about weight versus what he's pulling on the line so you can get, you know, you see these people catching fish on six pounds. Like, how'd you do it? That's such a, that's a 30 pound fish. It's not about what the fish weighs. It's about how you manipulate, you know, that drag is what's going to give you that separation. So, you know, you think you're pulling in a 30 pound fish through that water while they're thrusting away with 40 pounds of thrust to get away from you. In reality, you're not stopping them. You're slowing them down. So that six pound is still within its realm. 
Hey, it's kind of about time for a bait check, don't you think? Yeah, we should probably do that. This bait check is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. That's right, the Delaware Surf Fishing Team up there. Lots of good stuff on DelawareSurfFishing.com. Maybe you need some rigs, got you covered. Or if you're tying your own rigs and you're looking for a supplier, hey, they're one of those companies that can do that. They can help you out, get you outfitted for all the stuff you need to build it. Lots of really cool floats are coming out. Um, I am absolutely in love with the sand flea that glows in the dark. You can also find that on the BS Surf Fishing. That's Barry's rig. Really good double dropper. Uh, there's other rigs available for different types of fishing jigs uh geez terminal tackle you name it there's a lot of great things on there and they've got you covered so dscustomtackle.com go over to the website take a look get your order in you won't be sorry great stuff so you don't have to go with this big ass poundage really and like you just said you know downsizing it even lower and you're still nailing it People, I think people overthink that when they're in the tackle shop. They're like, oh, I need 30 pound. I need that for this fish. It's like, no, slow down. Slow down on your thoughts there. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think refinement is a huge factor. And definitely, I'm, I'm definitely prone to fishing heavier than I should do maybe sometimes because I'm Same. always conscious of it. I mean, like when you have that guiding mentality of like, okay, I want every single fish that I hook, my client hooks to hit the beach. But at the same time, there's a balance of, you know, I can't put them on the situation where, in fact, this goes back to maybe another guiding lesson is putting clients in situations where they maybe not going to have a great outcome of maybe playing a fish in four pounds for some of your, my, some of my maybe, and someone who isn't uh, an amazing angler, someone who's just starting out, maybe fish on that kind of three and four pound line is, is definitely a different, different, more jeopardy, way more jeopardy than a fish on six, seven, eight pound line, for example. So, um, so you know, the, finding your kind of sweet spot within that and your ability and matching your kit to the exact, you know, brand of line that you've got and that make sure that line does it you break it whatever it says you know we had one fishing a light line tournament earlier this year in the four pound maximum line lucky we checked our alleged four pound fluoro that breaks it really at five and you start to having to use at three and four pound line so you know knowing your products knowing what you're going to fish with adding refinement into that building up a kind of reliable repertoire of like you said about the six pound setup so what is your six pound setup what is your brand of line that you trust what is the not by the way, Palomar knots are absolute king as far as I'm concerned right now. Yes, yeah, all the light line stuff. <laughs> yeah, I can't. It doesn't it just does. It's incredibly simple, isn't it? It looks like it shouldn't be as strong as it sh as it is, but they just don't go wrong. It's always another bit in something else in the system. If it breaks, it really does. But if it is, it always seems to be another something else in the system that breaks. Never the Palomar knot, which is kind of interesting. Do you snell your? Are you a snell snelling guy, Brian? No. You snell your hooks. No, I well, I do for my mortician rigs. Um, I will snell okay. them that way. But nine times out of ten, no, I'm either a Palomar knot guy or uh for the loop, obviously the loop down through and pull. But yeah, no, normally yeah. it's a Palomar. Well, I I was Palomar knot on the hook guy for a while, and I think I've recently come across something that's maybe an even but fall into that marginal gains category of maybe a little edge. Because when I look at how the fish feed in the shallow water here, and especially when there's a bit of current, they're feeding similar to a trout, maybe. You know, they're kind of staging up current, they're looking up current, and they're picking off stuff as it comes down current. And I figure the dynamic I want for my client is they're bouncing that sinker down the current. And as it, almost like a stream of fishing a trout, with a stream with a trout. And as that streamer or that sinker kind of flows around, kind of goes around that arc and that current, um, and that fish just snatches it and moves off. That snail knot, I think, really helps that hook situate into the corner of the mouth and just turns 
And I've noticed that when I've been snelling my knots recently, snelling my hooks recently, so many of the fish are now, as opposed to being hooked, maybe a little bit further back in the mouth, which you do find with those croaker here. Um, they're, they're, so many of them are hooked right in the corner of the mouth, like almost like a circle hook. And so I figure that snail connection is creates a kind of circle hook situation of a kind of rounded finish on that hook. And then when the fish picks up that bait, like a trout with a streamer and just moves off, as it moves off, it ties up to that sinker and that hook pulls around to the corner of the mouth and then just situates in the corner of there because it hasn't got that little knot right at the top to sort of bounce it out. And that snell knot, that line leads that hook into that corner of that mouth. And as they move off, you just get that lovely load, rod loads up and you've got fish on, don't even need to set the hook. And that's something definitely I've been using the last few weeks. And I think is a game me maybe, you know, might have only caught me one extra fish, but that extra fish might have been that 22 inch corbine of my client the other week. Um, or it might have been the number four of our four fish day yesterday. Um, which you know turned out really well. So little, again, a little tiny little thing like that. I was kind of interested to see how you might figure on that because I know a lot yeah. of guys who do the sword fishing tunery type stuff do a lot of snelling of their circle hooks. So it was kind of a little a little nod from them maybe led me to that path. Hey, yeah, I I could see exactly what you're saying there. Yeah, that I could see that working because that's a straight pull. Uh, the only problem I ran into early with my snell game was the tag end. I was clipping it. I was clipping it short, like I was told to. But in the surf, uh, for me, when the water was rolling, uh, for some reason, after I did it, I lost about six or seven fish. And I was like, "What the hell oh. is going on here?" Um, but what it, it turned out is, is the though the snell is nice and tight. As the wave was moving and moving the bait, it was actually pushing the main line for the snell in, and it was loosening oh, yeah. the coils just a little bit enough for the tag end to slide back. So uh, oh. that was a that was a fun okay. lessons learned of a yeah that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I left the tag end a little bit longer, and it, you know the tag end's really not going to do much. It's you know, you can hide it and bait, whatever it may be. But yeah, after that happened, I was like, yeah, I'm going back to the Palomar for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Well, well this, actually, the knot I've ended up using isn't as technically a snell knot. It's what is what we call it in England, a knotless knot. So if you just, anyone looks up knotless knot, you'll see exactly the knot I've been using. And I've had zero problems with that. No no unwrapping, no coming loose. I know what you mean. It can, it is something that if it's not exactly sitting right, it can come undone a little bit. And if it's loose, it can potentially unwrap, but this knotless knot with totally two or three wraps back up the shank or the format I've done so far, which has worked really well for me is size eight hook, 12 to 13 turns down the hook, two or three back up and then through the eye. And I haven't had a single failure with that. In fact, actually the other week when I probably the first few times I use that, um, one of the first times I used that, I hooked an absolutely, what I assume was a really big bat ray on my light gear. And it was, it was probably foul hooked in the wing or something, but I was probably on that thing for like 20 minutes. And it got to the point where I was physically trying to bust it off and I couldn't bust it off on six pound, which, you know, that thing was going to spool me. It was going to, I was going to be on that thing for hours. And eventually the hook pulled out and I physically tried to bust it off. And all I would do was just dragging it closer to shore. That's how strong a connection <laughs> that was. So yeah. I was pretty happy with that. So not, not let's not is the one you want. If you're going to snow light, light gear, Pretty, pretty reliable, pretty easy thing to do. Yeah, I'm going to go that route because I, I fully, and I told everybody like, hey, no, snell your knots. This was a Brian screwed it up thing. I, I, I fully accepted my failure on that. But the knotless, I will definitely take a look at that and probably move into that yeah. game. That, that makes a lot more sense. Because the snell knot is, is hard. A pure snell knot is actually quite difficult, I think. 
Probably. <laughs> Probably is. Mm-hmm. It, I've, anyway, I, I, I admit my failures. We're going to move on from my failures. And <laughs> <Okay. laughs> So um, as I was playing on the website, I also love that you have write-ups, uh, lots of blog pieces and articles, lots of good ones. And if you guys are into the yep. surf games, uh, there is a great article you wrote, Surfishing All thing, all the Things That Beginner Surf Anglers Get Wrong, <laughs> Tide, Structures, yeah. Rig, and Baits. Because in reality, when everyone starts... I don't, well, I can't say everyone. It's a very large game where people in our world will go to YouTube and they will follow the YouTubers and they will follow some of the other websites. They'll follow Salt Strong, you know, all these pieces to kind of get into the game. But there are so many other pieces that we get wrong because we don't see the, the minute details that are in the building. Your article here really broke it down and really I, I i'm very impressed with it when i read it. i was like damn yep 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 all <laughs> these ones with app pictures and everything you spent some good time on this so i, I wanted to say well very well done sir thank you for writing well, this you. up yep you know it it's time for another bait check This bait check is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. You guys, I can't say enough great things about what they do. I really love it. Kidscanfish.net's the website. Head on over there and go ahead and see all these camps and programs that they were doing for getting uh, kids out fishing. I mean, they're taking these camps in, uh, are these kids into these camps to teach them how to fish in the surf, how to throw lines, uh, how to throw cast nets, so many different pieces all put together. And they're able to do this from your donations. All the money that they make goes right back into the camp, and they're building this up for the kids. The upcoming is the St. Simons Island uh, Running of the Bulls Tournament in October. I'll be there. A lot of the other guys here in the Panhandle, they're coming with me, or I'm going with them, depending on how you look at it. I'm just going to be there, man. I'm excited. But we're all going to get together. We're going to fish. We're going to have a great time. It is all put together because of them, and I'm very thankful. And all the money that goes to that gets thrown back out there for the kids to continue on with these camps. Really fun. So kidscanfish.net. You won't be, uh, you, you are going to help somebody if you jump in on that. You really are. And I love their slogan. It's not official, but I still love it. More tackle boxes, less Xboxes. That's phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of those articles are born out of things that I see on my day-to-day fishing and when I'm guiding clients. And I was, there's always some consistent themes that I find people struggle with. Um, so it's really just helping people address all those problems. And like I said, often they'll have nine out of 10 things they'll do exactly right exactly the right rig and set up and right tide right time of day perfect everything else and but then they'll bring the the biggest pile of junk frozen squid they've had in the bottom of their bag for a year or something so you know something like that so often it's just one or two little things you've got to help people out with and you send them off in the right direction it changes the game completely so i think people reading that i think that's actually is the most popular page on my website or the most popular article on my website right now um because lots of people out there surfishing and thinking oh god why isn't this happening for me why you know why aren't they getting that lovely big croaker or something or that big surf perch and this is really aiming to help people address all of those little tactical nuances i think that they need to address in order to have a successful session definitely there all right so with the You've got an online shop, not brick and mortar for people to drive to. Your website says, hey, look, contact you. It's all good there. Yep. What do you feel that a reason that people that come to the area don't go to the local tackle shops to get their gear 
uh, versus maybe a big box store. You know, hey, I'm going to go to Walmart or I can go to the local. Why do you think that is people don't just jump in on going to the local shop versus them, the big boys? Um, I think some of the, definitely when you go to a local taco shop here, they're always in quite odd locations. You know, they're always in a kind of strip mall next to, between a pizza place and something else. So they're not often that incredibly visible, are they? If you're driving along the freeway in California, you'll see like the big five store, and maybe there's a Dick Sporting Goods. And if you're out in the central, in Rancho Cucamonga, there's Bass Pro. And so you can go there, you can buy a license and you can buy everything. Most of it's fairly useless for a lot of the very specific surf and saltwater stuff but you know you've got that visibility so if you're just if you're just just driving along or looking for a shop most of the ones that are going to be within the easily accessible places are the big box stores but whereas i think if you if you look into some of the more local stuff there's the value that they can offer you in terms of the lo- the local advice and they're just the just just the Oh, no, I just I just really love going to tackle shops. I mean, it's just an absolute, they're all absolute emporiums of stuff that I can just look at for hours and hours and hours. And I'd always learn some stuff, always spend too much money. So that's probably a good reason is you get that experience of going to a tackle shop and being like, oh my God, I just want to spend about four hours walking up and down here versus when you go into the standard Walmart type, you know, big five, it's more like, okay, I just need to get my thing and get out of here. So it's a little different experience and the person at the counter isn't going to go, oh, how are you doing where you're fishing? Oh, great. Well, maybe you should try here. Or did you think about buying this? This baits worked really well yesterday. You know, that local advice could be a real game changer. And, you know, definitely my local tackle shop, so shout out to Chark Baits. Um, they're always very much dialed into that kind of local knowledge. And they're always, whenever I send clients there, they always send me a text afterwards because, oh my God, those guys are so helpful. You know, he told me exactly where to go and he made sure I bought exactly the right thing. And, you know, so so I really like that. A good, good local tackle shop is absolutely invaluable in, in my experience. And they are the source for all of the good stuff, all of the good knowledge, good good licenses as well. And um, all of the good, good tackle that you want to buy, not the kind of big box, whatever the local buyer for the big box store has decided to stock in that store. It's the stuff that they know will work and sell. Yeah, and the Walmart, you know, person's not going to ever, ever try to find a way to help you. <laughs> just, no, the sale no, is done. Almost, <laughs> almost feels like the opposite of when you're in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our our local one, because we're very fortunate here. We have several tackle shops very close to the beach, so we, we've we got it in that one. Out in Cali, uh, for those of you who've never been to Cali, anything beachfront or close to the water is triple. Uh, it, there's nothing yeah. cheap about that the the coastal area. It's it's very painful for that. But um, yeah, but like you, I walk into Walmart and I'll see people come in from out of town and they're like, oh yeah, I just got some rods and I'm like, oh what'd you get? What? Oh that's a nice pen rod. Okay, cool, that's good. Uh, why didn't you go to the local shop? Oh, there's a local shop. Yeah, and they're gonna spool that line for free for you too. You yeah, yeah you're gonna have to do all this. So yeah, I but just, also the, it's rough. But also they're gonna sell you the eight or nine foot surf rod in the tackle shop which is actually going to be really really good and really useful whereas when my experience we go to like the average walmart type big box store a lot of their stuff is it's the seven foot it's like the ready-made combos you know there's combos that just come that are like universally sold and it's always a seven foot there always seems to be seven foot spinning rods with a four thousand size reel and you're probably going to end up loaded with some junky mono and you know maybe that'll catch you a few fish but that's pretty far from optimal in my opinion so yeah, different experience, definitely. Yeah, the big box store is my... So I, I've got a new technique, and I'll share it here on the show because it's been kind of my new fun thing. Um, 
I always shop at my local shops. I, it, my my number one shop that is my closest to me is Half Hitch. Um, I'm always in there. I'm talking with the managers. I know I know the gear they have, and uh, I never can complain about any of it. You know, if they don't have it, then I'll run down to Emerald Coast, uh, bait and tackle down the road. Uh, but one thing I've been doing lately is sometimes stalking the big box stores clearance aisle. I picked up a five hundred dollar reel for one hundred and twenty dollars. Um, really? What was it? It was oh my gosh, which one? It was the pen. Please tell me. It was the pen. Uh damn it. Of course my friggin' brain doesn't work right now. Uh it was one of the high speed, low speed drop drop reels. Uh like a conventional. Like a big fathom big, yeah. big international. Yeah, or? yeah, I think it was a big fathom. fathom I believe it was a fathom. Oh nice. And nice. it was it was like, oh, wow, you know, holy crap, this is a great deal because they were clearing out last year's section, right? You know, they're getting rid of last year's to bring in this year's, and it was a it was a steal. Then they had, you know, Walmart had another one where they had a depth finder for kayaks, which was, I think it was a Garmin system that was normally 600 down to 250. So it was like, nice. you know, stocking the big box stores for those kinds of deals, your local tackle shop's not going to be mad at you. <laughs> they're not. No, even, they're gonna be no. like, yeah. Well, give me the link. I'm gonna buy that for me. <laughs> you know. So using that, but going to your local shop for all the things that are there, especially when you're traveling. The local shops. If you just put local tackle shop near me in your phone, and you're gonna find them. But going to your local ones that way, like you said, they're not gonna. They're gonna give you all the knowledge, and they're not gonna upsell you. They're going to help you get fish because they know yeah. if you catch, if you're anything... coming back tomorrow. If anything, they hurt themselves by being so honest. And I'll give you a really nice example of this, which makes me really want to go to this tackle shop, is that one of my regular clients, he wanted to get himself kitted out with a rod and reel. And he went to the tackle shop and they had the reel, but not the rod. And they refused to sell him the reel because they didn't want him to buy a rod that didn't balance with the reel. So they refused to sell him a $350 reel, um, which presumably they'd have made a nice margin on because they just didn't want him to be in a kind of position where he might buy less than suitable rod. At this in another store so that's that to me is like per, unbelievable customer service where you're foregoing a significant profit just to make sure this guy is going to be in a really good spot with his tackle so 10 out of 10 for that store after i think it was island fishing tackle in orange i think or it's very similar names to that i think from what he told me so yeah shout out to them and respect to that store for making that kind of call on customer service yeah that's good stuff wow i'm impressed good job you guys yeah. happily linking okay, that one I'll, I'll make sure it's the right one and link it back it'll be on the website <laughs> i will find out and i'll send you a text because i'm perfect i was so impressed when i read that and of course you can go to the you know you went to the next door and they had everything and they bought everything there but you know that same and i was just thought that's a really nice touch that means they're, they're in it for the right reasons i think yeah and that's a good way to build a business long term definitely so, like I said, you've got a lot of great things on your website, and people, by okay. all means, take a look. There's there's plenty of cool stuff to use and lots of fun stuff that you can utilize anywhere with knowledge on the website for helping you do good. And if you're out in Cali, for my Cali listeners, because I know you're some of you are out there, one of them being Dwayne. You know you need to be out fishing. Uh, my buddy from Canceled for Maintenance podcast, he's out there doing his thing, but uh, he hasn't fished enough. And I said, you need to get out to this website because I found your site and I sent it to him. He's like, I need to buy this. I need to buy this. I need to buy this. <laughs> like, yes, you do. Um, so let's get to this last question in this category, and then we'll get down to the closing and get you out of here. What have been That's some awesome. valuable lessons learned about the tackle industry that helped you with the current setup that you're in? Oh, goodness. Um there's so many things that I've learned the last two or three years. Um, a lot, a lot of 
very boring businessy taxi type things um oh god i'm just trying to think about some more of the more interesting fishing things um oh this is such a i think i've just i think everything i think everything is such a learning process is this this is such a all-encompassing question and that i'm always learning when i'm running this business every day i'm learning something <laughs> um but i think the more i think an overall lesson i take from my recent experience definitely particularly this year is the more i can help people catch stuff the easier it becomes to sell them tackle and the better my tackle is the easier the end that sale becomes and it sounds kind of obvious but you know i need to really make sure my stuff works and if i sell someone a leopard shark rig you know if i just send them a packet with a wire leader in it well great that's one thing but i've now in the last year or so introduced for example my packaging is a qr code and you use that the qr code and it takes you to the tip section of my, web, web, my website which has a load of videos and a load of articles and it's all the stuff that directly relates to how that product works and how that product works is something that i've probably been working for like two or three years and i've probably blueprinted it several times and torn it up and thought okay well that's not going to quite work like that and i've probably changed that hook five times to the perfect pattern so probably the probably the overall lesson i've taken from the tackle industry is the more i help people the more successful my business gets and the more outrageous customer service i provide which is something i've, I've listened to a podcast about some um, customer facing business a few months ago and the guy said one well, of his main thing is, is to just provide outrageous customer service which is so that's what i do you know i would literally email my clients after i know they've received their rigs or when they're about to receive their rigs and say hey any problems any questions any tips please just send me a message where are you going fishing how can i help you you know i'll tell them oh great we'll let you great you want to catch a leopard shark and you live in i don't know san diego and i just sent you a rig great well here's a great beach to go and do that and also on the back of that packaging is a qr code it's going to be a video about how to mount the rig on that mount the bait on that rig um also there's an article about how to use the rig and there's you know probably 20 ways i can help you which i've developed in the last year to help catch a fish so i think that's probably my biggest lesson is going the extra mile of helping people catch a fish to differentiate myself from anybody else who's doing a similar thing in any other tackle shop which might sell you a similar rig but they're not going to have the extra advice they're not going to have like a personal touch of service like i'm going to really try and give my clients and my customers and you know if one of my customers bought a rig and picks up their phone the next day and just wants to talk about i know like a leopard shark fishing session or how to catch a big soup fin or something like that i'll absolutely do that no problem at all um you know that's a always a pleasure for me to help people along that same path so yeah so outrageous customer service is probably my, my main lesson in both my guiding and my tackle business that's perfect and so good on you right there because that that information like you just said right there that email that message that video link that text all that you're you're encompassing all the learners the video the audio learner the video learner that you know or the visual learner the kinesthetic learner you nailed them all so that's phenomenal yeah. that you've done that and that's and that probably helps more people than anyone can really think of so very well yeah, done also, I think if i help if i help that guy when he's on the beach he's going to tell another five guys probably two or three four guys you know that old marketing thing of if, you, if someone has a great experience with your company or brand they're going to probably tell six or seven people about that great experience so i think that's a great way to build a business and like i was saying earlier about that tackle shop i've just told you about that tackle shop who helped my client by not selling them a reel and i was so impressed by that i've told you about that so that's a great example isn't it of like they haven't even made any money out of us but yet we've still talked about them because they provided outrageous customer service yeah yeah, that that train runs very well. That and it yeah, always does. Sure. And it, it, we're helping people. That's all that. That's what we're in. We're in the game to help people, man. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> solving puzzles and helping people solve that same puzzle is the yeah. thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. All right. So let's get you into the closing questions here and get you out for the day. What knowledge would you give to a brand new angler starting out in the surf game? Oh, I'd say learn how to learn about tides, learn about tide cycles, learn about how those how those work. I've I've I probably haven't had a client like this for a few for a couple of years, but I've had clients before who've who've done haven't realised there's such thing as a tide. They think the wind drives the water in, and then when the wind stops blowing, the water goes out. So learning about tides, learning about tide cycles, and how that relates to moon cycles, and how that relates if you're fishing in California, how that relates to grunion runs, and then looking at working out those peak times to go fishing. Um, it's probably one of the major things. Another one thing is get really good at tying really good Palomar knots or a, or a uni knot. Um, one of those two is probably going to be the thing you're going to tie a lot. Don't tie your granddad's like fishing knot, that blood knot or clinch knot. Most of the time that goes wrong. I've seen that happen a lot. People who just thought, oh, just tie this quick knot rather than take the time to tie a really good Palomar. And then the next fish goes pop and it's always on that same, same poor junky knot. So yeah, get good at knots, get good at reading tides. Um, get good at castings. These very surprising amount of people who say, "Oh yeah, I fished all my life, and I've done this type of fishing and that type of fishing." And you give them a spinning rod, and you say, "Okay, great, well, just cast over there, sir." And they really can't do it. They cannot cast properly. They've got all these weird techniques, and they just a bit bit off. So if you just can't cast, can stand in a field and get the gear. You're going to be fishing with a lot. Can stand in a field, put a hoop 30 meters away, and just cast at that hoop for an hour and see you've got it absolutely dialed in. In fact, there's a really good casting video on my website, so I'm not trying to prom promote that anymore, but there is a really good casting video. I have to dial out a load of light line casting issues, so that might help a few people. So I think that's really get good at casting, get good at understanding the, the, the tides and the saltwater environment. Um, of course, understand all the species you're going to be fishing for and be very focused maybe as well. Probably the best lesson in all of that, be very focused on what you want to do. Don't just say, oh, well, I'm going to go surf fishing today and I want to catch everything. Just saying, okay, well, today I'm going to, you know, my first surf fishing session, I'm going to try and catch a surf perch, which would probably be the best way to do it. Um, these are the things I'm going to need to do that. And these are the things about that species that I know. And these are the things I can research and learn about that species. And then I can start to form a plan. And, and I'm sure like you, Brian, you have this pretty thing, which I called an equation in my head of all these factors that go into the surf fishing session and go into a successful day. And, you know, there's a whole load of stuff of environmental stuff and weather, tides, mean cycle species water temperature bait and so if you start to develop that equation in your brain of all those input factors and when the output is a fish you think okay well which of those factors worked and which of those ones didn't which of those were important and which ones were least important and then you begin to together you begin to develop a sort of program for yourself and develop that technique and develop that equation about how to catch a fish which is i guess what it's all about isn't it so yeah <laughs> it's a lot of it's a big subject but that's probably the Broad strokes is what I suggest to people is those are the things to get really good at once you've got into once you've got into the initial this is a rod and reel, this is how that works kind of thing. I'm glad you brought up the casting thing. Uh, and I, I mean this the nicest way when I say it to you people. There is a major difference in cast distance from bass fishing, which you're using that flick of the wrist and that little bit versus the surf rod, which you are pulling with your left arm. And it, it makes a big difference. And trying to cast a 12-foot rod like you would a bass rod, you're not going to get the uh, the outcome you think you would. No. And also we have the the added thing of having to use a lot of the light line gear here. So we're using like 8-6 and 9-foot-6 rods and using like a 3-quarter ounce sinker often. And there's definitely a very particular technique for casting that. And if you try to do the bassy, super fast, kind of like whippy, just to 
power it as though you're like flicking something under a dock then that also sometimes doesn't go quite so well so there's definitely some subtleties in that but i mean it's like any sort of fishing isn't it if you go from fishing bass fishing to casting for i know foaming tuna offshore to casting a three ounce surf sinker on the beach there's all different techniques aren't they there's basically the same thing but with really some significant subtleties between the lot so getting used to casting like you said there's probably two things about there's probably the first of the one that you mentioned the 12 foot rod the longer surf rod with a bigger three ounce sinker and then there's the lighter surf gear which is maybe more similar to a kind of bass style casting but yeah but either way just getting used to your gear and getting used to being good at casting getting that sinker out in a straight line getting it landing nicely so um you know so it's one of the things i try and teach my clients is about feeling that rock feeling that sinker down and just trapping that line before that sinker hits the water so that leader lays out nicely which is a technique you see a lot of those bass guys use when they're using carolina rigs or you know just trying to get a light kind of get that line straightened out before it hits the water so yeah just things like that just just all all subtleties can figure into um all those subtleties can figure into much much better fishing sessions you know if you can cast accurately five yards further than you could last week because you've been practicing that might catch you that extra one or two fish that sit a little bit further out or that extra accuracy might get you into that little depth of water right into that hole or right just upstream of that hole about so it's perfect scenario bouncing into that face of that fish so yeah that's probably a, but like you said it's probably a bigger factor than a lot of people realize isn't it they think oh casting's casting i just go down there chuck it out and something will happen yeah but there's also you you know you can really up your chances significantly by being better at that yeah yeah the, the fish like to play in different zones so just you know yeah, we, we'll get you there we'll get you there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what like, do you... nice just nice smooth casting that's kind of a good good casting smooth casting technique you know it's all quite personal isn't it but just practicing that you know just just going and practicing just go and do it if you're rubbish it go and do it don't yeah. be practicing on the beach when it really matters you know be practicing in the middle of the day when you there's no, nothing happening tie-wise and you've got a couple of hours free go and do it then perfect definitely put all right so what do you think has been a reason for such the surge to surf fishing um i think there's i mean there's obviously always been a surf fishing culture in california i mean when, when i came from england obviously we had a huge beach and surf fishing culture with our coastline you know that epic long rocky coastline we have so i was kind of aware of this but it's definitely a different surf fishing culture over here and um and i think the re things that drive people to go surf fishing here are a few different things maybe um you know maybe the food aspect is certain for has always been there but now i think the sporting aspect has become really common and i think one recent factor is obviously the covid stuff and i noticed a definite increase in people looking to get out with their families after covid kind of you know had a little period of being locked at locked up maybe a little bit and thought okay well this isn't fun what is going to be the most fun outdoor kind of you know sporting thing i can do with my family and you arrive at things like fishing which is really fun so i think a lot of you know i've seen a lot of families come into it and helped quite a few families get rigged up and you know buy their own combos and now they're off doing it on their own after you know three or four sessions they've got it got it all dialed in so i think that's a big factor people are just more into doing outdoor stuff as well which i really like i really appreciate that um and i think this year in particular i've seen a real surge in definitely the last two months of people being very interested in that i think it's a big factor for us this year is the water temperature that's really that's really crept up and we're having 70 degree water which is the first time we've had that in probably two or three years i think in my experience so people are seeing that water temperature they're seeing a lot of the fish being caught and they're thinking oh, great i want a piece of that action 
um, and they're you know hitting me up for lessons and uh, tuitions and just fun family sessions. So I think that's a big factor. There's a few things going on, but um, I think this is going to be a nice season for for being a really popular surf fishing season because of the great conditions. No more COVID. The oil spill that kind of messed us up here about a year and a half ago has completely gone now. No, no after effects of that now. Um, so yeah, so we're in a good spot here, and I think a lot of people are going to be into surf fishing going forward in the next few weeks. Yeah, I agree. All right, second to last question. It's the best, isn't it, Brian? Oh, I mean, it is. It really is. Oh, it really Brian, is. And like, like one of the reasons I love about it, right, is you make your own luck. Okay, I don't really believe in luck in terms of like it randomly might happen. I believe in like luck is the was it luck is a confluence of preparation and opportunity. And if you're on the beach, you've made all of your own luck. You're not reliant on the captain. You're not reliant on the you know the the deckhand to rig you up and tie your knots or whatever or gaff your fish it's all down to you you are the captain you're the deckhand i think that's what makes surf fishing in that in that inshore environment just the most interesting challenging kind of form of fishing that anybody can do you don't need to be a millionaire as well you don't need to have a boat it's a big factor as well so it's the best yes in my opinion oh i think it's a good that's a true and uh, I, I agree with your opinion so that works out in, <laughs> okay well, well, that's a great place to end then, isn't it um, almost right, oh, almost so done this, you're has not... been, this has been so much fun no oh, me you. too man you're not done yet i got two more for you you've, oh my god okay sorry you're sorry, stuck. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> i wasn't trying to get rid of you oh uh, okay. well, that's right, good wait. what do you recommend to someone coming to your area to fish that has never been there before doing before they start fishing um, i say number one make sure you've got some really suitable equipment so getting yourself a nice usable spinning surf spinning rod in the kind of eight to ten foot category using eight six and nine six rods anything in the four to ten or six to twelve but right now six to twelve is working really well so that's probably a good place to start if you're just coming here get a six to twelve pound you know eight nine foot spinning rod load that you know three four thousand size reel with 15 pound braid 10 or 15 pound braid um, a little mono or fluorocarbon top shot little carolina rig light fluorocarbon at the end that's going to catch you so many fish of every every variety wherever you are on that coastline so that's a good place to start good reliable combo getting dialed into those tide times as well so be able to plan a little bit so say if you're coming here on holiday next week you might look at those tides and pick out three or four that are going to be really nice when there is a decent amount of water moving nice high tide maybe early morning or maybe a bit of water shifting out late uh, just as that sun goes down something like that so a little bit of forward planning don't have the mentality i'd say of being well i'm just going to go fishing whenever i can because that's just how it is and i'm going to still catch some fish that probably isn't going to plan out too well for you if you end up trying to rock up on a busy huntington beach type scenario at three o'clock on the saturday afternoon it's going to be crazy busy so a little bit of forward planning making sure that you've um you've got the right equipment and you've done a little bit of research is definitely going to help you catch a few more fish and being quite specific as well so you know you might think okay well i just want to catch a surf perch so all i'm going to do and i is use these kind of small hooks maybe a gulp sandworm maybe a couple of little sand crabs something like that um but i find a lot of people they're trying to catch everything and they end up using these kind of junky dropper loops from like walmart you know those like wire ones with some junky squid or just some rubbish they've had lying around in their tackle box and it doesn't really work i've seen people using marshmallows as bait all sorts of random stuff so getting a really good kind of run repertoire of bait and tackle that you know works and even if you, you know you just hit someone up like myself like local guide and they'll tell you exactly what's used most of the time or you know just my website's got it all listed on there so that's the kind of thing i'd be looking at is making sure i had a really good solid combo that was versatile that i could take anywhere and I said some basic knowledge about the baits that were going to work, fresh bait preferably, and um, also some basic knowledge about what tides, um, what what lunar cycle, and what water temperature, and what the kind of location of where I'm fishing and what I'm going to be fishing up against. So 
prior knowledge is, is really important, I think. We should probably do this last bait check and get it done, huh? Last one of the episode coming hot! The spinal bait check is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Oh, you guys know it. Go on over to thesinkerguy.com and look at everything that Chip's got going on in the Sinker Guy garage. Sinkers, hey, he's got you covered. They're in his name. I mean, come on. You guys know I love those Sputniks. They are what I use. My very favorite set of sinkers. Always throwing them, and it's, it's I've got plenty on there, and I always carry on extra on my cart just in case somebody needs one. Uh, if you need terminal tackle, got it covered. Maybe some tools, scissors, pliers. Ooh, what else do we got in there? The bait, uh, the thread needle to help you with getting the beads on the hook, the sinker guy method stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. That stuff, still very important with matching the hatch. Maybe you need, oh, I don't know, the Bruno rig. You ever heard of it? Super great rig, doing great things up and down the East Coast and actually all throughout. So you know, keep your eyes open because there's a, there might be a new rig coming. Yeah, some fun stuff. They'll go on over to thesinkerguy.com, get your order in today. Definitely, definitely. All right, last question for you, and we'll get you out of here. What is next for you? <laughs> oh, I've got some. I've got some interesting plans. So I think my tackle business. Um, watch this space. You've got some interesting things coming out in the next few months. Um, we have a have a small bait business which is in the offing as well. Um, we've been catching lots of fish on the prototype baits for those, and that's been kind of fun to start to develop that. So lots of things like that. Um, I think our drone shark fishing program is going to kick into gear very soon this summer. So that's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to doing that. Got pretty good at that last year with our new drone. Caught a whole load of really cool, interesting sharks off the beach. So we're going to kick into that's going to kick into gear. Um, I think there's a, everything because everything's on the menu right now. So it's kind of kind of um, I'm excited about everything right now. And that so in terms of what's next is that the next few months of I think there's going to be some incredible fishing. I think there's going to be some really interesting tackle stuff which we're developing. And um, I'm just pretty excited. And personal fishing wise, um, I've caught a few really big corbina for my clients you know 22 23 inches um but i really want one myself so i think the next few weeks hopefully i'll be able to tick that box and get a really big monster corbina on the sand um, i'd also in terms of sharks i'd like a really big shore-based thresher shark this year and i would also like to catch a really large seven gill shark at some point as well so that's, on, that's all, all in the offing for the next few weeks um so yeah watch the space watch check out my instagram have a look at that, and you'll see some of the stuff that we've been talking about. That's oh, so good, Ben. Oh, man, yeah, I'm so I'm excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I give a shout-out to a few people as well, bro? Please do. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, mate. Well, so first of all, um, really shout-out to all of the my friends and colleagues over in California who've helped me, um, you know, throughout the years develop my business and, you know, have helped me early, early days point me in the right direction on a few things. So those people, you know, if you're listening to this, you know who you are. Thank you. Um, also, in terms of tackle companies, um, shout out to Okuma Fishing USA, big supporters, um, making great stuff that catches my clients loads of fish. So thank you very much, guys. Um, we actually have an interesting, they made a really, well, I've, I've seen this, seen the rushes of a really cool film they made about surf perch fishing with me a few weeks ago. And they've got that coming out soon on YouTube. So watch, check that out, Okuma Fishing USA um, for the surf perch fishing film, which I think is was a real work of art. I mean, it makes me look good, which is, you know, if you're doing that, then doing something, you're doing a good job if you're making me look reasonable on camera because I'm the worst person ever on the camera. But they've made this beautiful film involving all sorts of drone footage and there's like slow-mo B-roll. It's like absolutely incredible. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, so thanks, thanks, Akuma. Fish Bites, Fish Bites family, 
obviously Courtney, Brett, Scott, everyone, brilliant. Thank you so much for catching me loads of fish. Um, you know, I met you guys a few years ago and uh, been using a bait ever since. And I think this year is going to be really great as well. We're going to be using a lot more of those fight club stuff, for the big halibut and the white sea bass. So, you know, I think you guys have got on that for the fluke and the flounder over there. So yep. kind of interested to use more of that this year. Um, Cox and Rule, my, the, we, we import a lot of English surf fishing tackle because it's really high quality, um, really, really nice high quality hooks and swivels and stuff. So we use a lot of that. So my Cox and Rule colleagues back in England, again, thanks for making great stuff. Always, always supporting us over here. And, um, you know, all of our shark hooks, for example, uh, made from European steel, Cox and Rule, Mootsu Circle hooks, absolutely best circle hook you can buy. So, um, so I think that's about it, really. Um, obviously, my wife is incredibly, incredibly supportive. Um, you know, I'm sure anybody who's got a partner who's into surf fishing will know that you know the sand in the bed, the just sand everywhere, un, unhelpful working hours, strange times of strange things in the fridge, possibly <laughs> strange smells. <laughs> in a, odd sand crab I might get left in my pocket and gets forgotten. You know that kind of thing. So thank you very much, darling, for tolerating that. And um, that's about it, really. And thank you, Brian, as well, for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate that. I'm a fan. So this has been a real honor. And um, thank you so much for, you know, for le letting me letting me just chat about all of the stuff that I'm into. Thank you. Well, I'm very thankful that you came on, and I am honored to have you. It was such a great episode, lots of great knowledge. And, uh, again, really cool stuff. And all, I'm just very excited and look forward to seeing everything you do in the future. Oh, thanks, Brian. Well, look, anytime you're in Florida, sorry, anytime, anytime I'm in Florida, over on the east coast, sorry. I'm gonna come come and hit you up, hit you up for a session because I really want, I really want a big redfish. That that's definitely very high on my list. Sounds of stuff I really want to catch. Sounds so, good. Yeah, anytime. I'll find a way, one way or another. I'll find a way, <laughs> and then when I get out to Cali, I'll definitely because uh, I know I'll end up back out there for something. There's there's still I got uh, a lot yeah. of friends still out there, so I will be back in SoCal eventually. So yeah. I will. Uh, I'll well, call you beforehand and we'll go fish. Awesome, mate. I can't can't wait. Look forward to it. Likewise. All right, sir. You take care of yourself. All right. Thank you so much, Brian. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully this episode helped you because uh, it's helped me. I got a bunch from it. I got a huge amount from it. And I know I can use a lot of the same techniques here in Florida and anywhere else I go. And especially when I go out to Cali, I will definitely be contacting Ben. I got It's been phenomenal. Uh, again, I'm so glad that we got to do this. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Thanks for being here. Take care of yourselves. Share this out to somebody that needs that help because we're all here and we make each other better. And uh, it's good times. All right. I am out of here. Later.